0: Sources, inside sources, inside sources, where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason
1: and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community
0: on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome to Inside Sources. This is Taylor Morgan hosting today, filling in for Boyd Matheson. I'm here with Mara Carabello. Uh, I am a partner at a public affairs lobbying communication shop, Morgan May Public Affairs. Mara is the boss at Exoro <laughs> Group, and we are so happy to be here with you today, filling in for Boyd and talking through uh, the news of the day. Well, we are now going to talk about the rent. Mara, the rent is too high.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a big shift, a quick shift in the, well, not maybe not quick, in Utah where you know, our statistics are that almost seventy percent of people don't find their housing affordable now. I mean that's a tremendous this barrier to getting into a house or an apartment or a townhouse that yeah. you feel comfortable and you can live and, and I, I what's the I think that the calculus that is at best we should be spending thirty percent of our income on our housing. Right. And now that feels just so unachievable. It,
0: And often when I think of rent control, right, when I think of really high rent, I picture Manhattan. I picture San Francisco, right, some of these big cities where you're paying thousands of dollars for a closet, for a studio apartment. That's right. But this is also a local issue. Here in Salt Lake City, uh, recently I've been kind of looking at some of the different uh, apartments. There's a lot of new high-rise apartment buildings in Salt Lake City, and they are not cheap, right? Well,
1: not, that's the entire valley too, right? I mean, I, mean, I yes. think we say Salt Lake City, we should say the metro area.
0: Salt Lake County In and case. beyond. The, the Wasatch Front, right?
1: Yeah. And the- I- th- Yeah. Problem for our kids that we're going to have to solve. Lots of different points of view, as we would suspect on this. One point of view you may have heard this last week is John Oliver, who uh, hosts a show on HBO, and he always identifies a a topic that he wants to go in depth on. So he spends a lot of time, 20, 25 minutes on this topic. And he did it a segment on why rent is increasing in the United States, and it has been getting a lot of attention. One of the people that it has gotten the attention of is the associate editor at Reason. Reason is a libertarian uh, magazine, and he is his name is Christian Bridge Key, and it got his attention, and he, in fact, published an article called What John Oliver Gets Wrong About Rising Rents. Christian, we have you here today to give your point of view. Uh, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, thanks for having me on.
1: So rent is high rent, right? Everyone agrees high rent's not where we're going to go. Um, but we have had a habit in America, I say lightly, I call it a light habit It's that doesn't give it the depth that it needs, of um, long-term subsidizing programs that maybe don't work out the, the best. So first off, take us through what do you think are the one or two key components uh That John Oliver is getting wrong um, in the system. So, for example, I know um, zoning laws affect housing affordability. What do you think the the approach for zoning laws? Do you think it's helpful?
2: Yeah, sure. So the things that I think um, John Oliver gets wrong broadly is that he does not he misdiagnoses the problem as one of, uh, I guess. Largely, if you watch the segment, one of landlord greed um, as opposed to one of supply and demand, um, where there's just too many too too many renters for too, too few homes. Which he kind of mentions, but doesn't really explore too much in depth. And then the other thing he gets wrong is therefore the solutions for that, which he thinks is to put more regulations on you know the, the greed of landlords which is causing the problem, and then have a lot more federal subsidization of uh, you know individual rent vouchers, affordable housing construction. So on, Uh, my perspective would be that you know we um, there's nothing natural or inherent or free market about the high rents we're seeing right now. Rather, this is a product of just government, you know, numerous government restrictions on the ability of developers to add new housing. And if we had you know the amount of housing that the market was demanding, rents would be lower. Uh, Rents would be you know not going up nearly as much as we see now. Um, Maybe they would be declining. Um, and people would, you know, many more people would be able to find affordable housing. Um, so that that was kind of my general case against his segment.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, earlier uh, this morning on the Dave and Jujanovic show, uh, Kate Klunt, who is with the Utah Realtors Association, she was filling in as a host this morning, and she spoke about the lack of housing here in Utah. Due to a such a pullback, a, a pullback by builders following the 2008 recession and, and the housing, the market collapse. Then, a lot of builders have still not fully entered into the marketplace because of the 2008 recession and the economic collapse. And so, here in Utah, we have a huge shortage when it comes to housing, but that's primarily single family residences, right? But because of that shortage, that has increased the cost of homes, uh, which has kept people in apartments, and is right, you know. And then the uh, rent for apartments is going up because there's more people living in apartments, wanting apartments, right? So there are so many factors at play here. It, it, do you see similar dynamics happening happening elsewhere in the country?
2: Sure. So Utah would maybe be a slightly different example in that you still have a lot of um, areas where you can do kind of a, uh, you know, greenfield development, add new subdivisions on the, uh, you know, the fringes of town where that would potentially be feasible. But uh, as you mentioned in the, um, uh, you know, in the in the wake of the Great Recession, we put a lot of restrictions on mortgage credit that would normally finance that kind of, uh, you know, owner-occupied housing, as you call it. Um, and at the same time. Um, I'm not super familiar with Utah, but I assume there hadn't been massive zoning reforms to allow, you know, rental multifamily production to be built. You know, maybe you kept low density zoning so that new buildings couldn't be built. And so you saw a squeeze on rental housing as well. And the combined factor of not building enough single family homes, not building enough multifamily homes, you see prices go up. Um, In the most expensive cities, though, you know, I think that it is really, I mean, there's a lot of factors about why they're not building homes. The big one is just you have zoning laws that you know the city is already built to capacity, um, and at least to the capacity that zoning allows. And so you would need to change the zoning laws to allow you know more homes, larger larger structures, um, in order to get more housing. And mm-hmm. cities generally, I mean, there's been some movement for reform, which is good. But generally, cities haven't been doing this; or not nearly enough to meet demand. Um, and so obviously, if you have increasing demand and yet your laws say Generally, you're not allowed to add more floor space, more units, more homes. You're, of course, going to see rising prices and rapidly rising prices.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's challenging. We're a um, pro-developer. We're a pro-business and development state, and we have a lot of multifamily development. and I I do think they're lagging, although it's coming. So I have an interesting question for you, Christian. I think um, one of the premises of home ownership is generational wealth. Um, Year in, year out, you started out with an advantage. Uh, What do you think, and one of the things that John Oliver presents, or at least I heard him present, is sort of the systemic um, bias built into the system. Do you think that that plays a role into ownership or or secured rental of your home?
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, I I guess um, it depends what you mean by bias. As far as, like, whether homes should be – I'm actually kind of critical of the idea that – Homes should be a a vehicle for wealth building. I mean, naturally, you would assume that a depreciating, uh, like physically depreciating uh, physical structure would lose value over time. Maybe the the value of the land would be increasing because, you know, it's in a hot area where more and more people want to live. Um, I think we've made this mistake of um, and I think this actually gets to a root of the, the zoning problem that we're discussing where we've made homes a store of value and people, therefore, don't want to see the value of their home go down by a rash of new construction that maybe reduces demand for, you know, uh, living in that particular structure that they own um, because that's, you know, what all their retirement savings mm-hmm. is wrapped up in. Right. And so as a result, they probably go- maybe uh, not support laws that would allow for the construction of more housing. NIMBY. So, you know, ideally, um, yeah, I, ideally I don't think homes would be a vehicle for a wealth accumulation. Interesting. Um, yeah.
1: Interesting. So Associate Editor of Reason Christian Bridge Key, thanks for joining us on Inside Sources today.
2: Yes, yeah, sure. Thanks for me on.
1: The Supreme Court issued a major decision, Taylor, on school choice yesterday. They did. It's the season. Um, they're allowing the that could allow more public money to go into religious schools. So we have with us a tremendous ge- guest, a Notre Dame law professor, and uh, she's going. She is who helped file the Amicus brief on the case. Stay tuned for an interview with her.
0: With Boyd Matheson on KSL News Radio.